Good morning. Stand with us and sing.
Good morning. Welcome to Memorial. If you're visiting with us today, we're happy that you're here. Um, we're a, a couple shy up here, so Kathy and I are doing the best we can. Um, both Caroline and Eli are sick with the flu. They came down with it yesterday, and Arthur is saving his voice for the must-be-bang-up sermon that's coming. Uh, now he's been suffering from a sore throat pretty much since Tuesday or Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, so... Um, and I know that uh, I've heard from, this, from a lot of people who work in the schools and stuff. There's a lot of people sick. So we're really glad that you're here with us this morning. But please don't touch. This is I'd Need a Savior. How many names can I use to explain? Love of my Jesus, the life that He gave, and so many times will I praise You today? Lift up my life, 'cause You're always. And my offering to you I bring, your name is Jesus, your name is Jesus, you're the Oh, 
all the days of loss and to the cross you knew that I need a your neighbor and if the children would come forward forward for the children's sermon got some sick brothers and sisters, don't we? Yeah, okay. Um, all right, I've completely lost the verse that I was supposed to read. Okay, Pastor, um, what's the one about the body of Christ? Romans 12, 12 what? Four? Oh, yeah, that's it. Okay, thanks. Should have highlighted it. <laughs> okay, this book looks a little different than most. This Bible looks a little different than most Bibles. It's actually just the New Testament. The clouds are white. The clouds are white. Yep. And um, Mr. Don gave this to our church a couple years ago to give out to friends and neighbors and folks. Anyway, so it just says things a little differently. Okay, so I'm going to read from Romans 12:4. Just as our bodies have many parts. You guys know the song, Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes? Knees and Toes? Okay, good. Um, just as our bodies have many parts, each part, each part has a special function. So your nose has a different job than your ear has a different job, right? Yeah, and your kneecaps have different jobs. Okay. Um, so it is with Christ's body. Okay, so sometimes in the Bible they talk about Christ's body as the church, you know, have you, have you ever heard that before, that the church is, is Christ? Okay. Well, you may be hearing it here for the first time. We, you, me, all of us here, and those big people out there, um, we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. 
Okay, sometimes this can be a little hard to grasp. I know from personal Black experience. Is green. Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of do a little bit of an illustration here. Anybody like sandwiches? Yeah. You like sandwiches? Yeah. Do you have any favorite kinds of sandwiches? Yeah. What's your favorite kind of sandwich? Chicken. Cheese and chicken, that's kind of cool. What, any other favorite kinds of sandwiches? Oh, come on. Kathy likes some peanut butter and jelly. And let me tell you, Ryan likes peanut butter and jelly, and Mama Rochelle here loves peanut butter and jelly. I could have peanut butter and jelly for breakfast, I could have it for lunch, I could have it for dinner, and every snack in between, I like it that much. And, um, so, what does it take to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Peanut butter. Peanut butter. What are these? Yeah. Two pieces of bread, unless you're doing a double-decker and you need three. And what's the last ingredient? Jelly. jelly. Okay, this jelly doesn't have a label on it because I made it with family this summer. Okay. So... As individual pieces, these are all just kind of, you know, they're, they're different things you'd buy at the grocery store, right? It's not a sandwich yet, is it? No, okay. It's not a sandwich yet. So, let me scoop out some Jif here. I really have no preference as to what kind of peanut butter. Some people are kind of picky. They like either Peter Pan or Jif. What? Crunchy. Yeah, some people, some people like crunchy. I'm a smooth girl most of the time. Peter Pan has come, Peter Pan, Pe yeah, the Peter Pan, they've come up with this um, whipped, so it's just, it's got more air in it. They're kind of faking you out, but it's got fewer calories, you know. All right, so sometimes I have extra peanut butter left over on my fork, and I wipe it on the other side, and then I get to my jelly. All right. All right, and you spread it out, right? We, we can't eat it because we're all kind of sick, so we don't want to share anything. So it's more like a tool right now. All right. All right. All right. All right. Now, can you separate this now? Can you put the peanut butter back in the jar? Can you put the jelly back in the jar? And can you put the bread back in the bread bag? Nah. So kind of like our eyes and our nose and our ears, they all do different things, but when they're put together, they make up what is our body. And kind of like us in the church, everybody here has a different kind of skill set or different talent. And so we're all us, but when we come together as a church, you can't take us apart because we make up this church and we represent Jesus, right? Okay, cool. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for simple things in life that can show us um, your love and show us how maybe your world relates to our world. Um, we ask that um, all lunches today, including sandwiches, will be in the bellies and help us be strong and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Rochelle, you gave me an idea with your prayer there.
we always pray to bless our food, and I have two young young kids, five-year-old and a three-year-old, but I've never actually thought to pray that it makes it to their belly. I mean, so that's, that's, that's probably a good idea, because uh, oftentimes it does not. It makes it to the belly of the dog or the floor, one of the two. Um, I'm going to be uh, doing a little bit of announcements, and I'll lead us in prayer this morning, because uh, Arthur's throat really has been bothering him, and his, his voice, I think he feels okay, but his voice is, is just not there, so going to save it for the sermon. Um, so I've got some reminders here. There will be no regular Sunday night programs tonight. I believe first place is meeting at 2.30, I was told this afternoon, and then at 4.30, or f- excuse me, 4 o'clock is the Make-A-Swish. Is that right, Katie? Okay, is the Make-A-Swish. It's our second annual Make-A-Swish, and it's a fundraiser, basketball fundraiser for the South Carolina School for the Deaf and Blind, and uh, that's this afternoon from 4 to 5.30. That should give everybody plenty of time to get on home for the, for the big game or for kickoff. Um, also, next Sunday, uh, next Saturday, all children are invited to meet Miss Katie in the social hall for a big hug Sunday preparation party. And that's next Saturday, February 12th at 2 p.m. Um, and I believe they'll just be getting together all the things that they're going to give out on Big Hug Sunday, which is the 13th. Adults, remember the children will be visiting your Sunday school classes on next week. Um, it'll be right at the start of the 10 a.m. Sunday school hour, and uh, they'll be bringing lots of treats and hugs, so don't miss out on that special Sunday as well. Um, at this point, I'm going to ask Kevin to come to speak about the Cheerful Hearts Midwinter Dinner uh, that's coming up soon. Uh, yeah, and uh, if we can go ahead and pass out the prayer cards. And if you have any, you know, prayer requests or anything that's on your heart that you wouldn't mind being shared aloud, put that on there, and the ushers will collect that in a few minutes. And, and please fill out the registration pad as well. Thank you, sir. Just a quick reminder, next Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we are having the Cheerful Hearts Midwinter Dinner here in the FLLC. Uh, we do have a catered dinner. Um, We're selling tickets back there after the service, before the service, at the 11 o'clock and after that one as well. We'll also be selling tickets as of next week, the day of the event. We've got a lot of nice items that have already been donated to us. Uh, I know we've got uh, a trip, we've got a TV, we also got golf clubs, golf bag, we also got some blankets. There's a lot of things, so men, if you forget to buy a Valentine's Day gift, perfect opportunity. It's the night before Valentine's Day, right? So um, we also are in need, though, if you do have some other donations um, at your house or you work for a local business, be willing to give. That would be a great thing because, again, all the proceeds this year we are going to give back to the church budget. Um, So as we well needed, we will have a nursery that evening. Um, So, again, please buy your tickets. Come out. It's always a great time. Have a lot of laughs, good food, and a good time to fellowship with a lot of people. Thanks. Thanks, Kevin. Um, also want to uh, make a note for the, the youth. Uh, we will not have youth tonight, but we will have, I believe it's our eighth annual co-ed football game this afternoon at the softball field just down a couple blocks away. Fortunately, Arthur won't be joining us this year. He, he used to get out there and play. and, and um, so. But uh, both girls and boys are welcome to come to that. Uh, usually the girls are better than the guys. Um, so... But uh, that's this afternoon at 2.30. And uh, if you have your prayer cards ready, if you just raise your hand and the ushers can come back by and pick those up.
Steelers or Packers? <laughs> Colts. That's I, I hear you, Larry. Sorry. Yeah. Let's join together in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and many of us are dealing with loss of different kinds, whether it be sickness or loss of job or whatever it is, Lord. We're reminded that not only are you always there for us, but uh, as Rochelle's children's sermon illustrated, we're also supposed to be there for each other to lift each other up. And so that's what we do at this time as we bring to you these requests that lay heavy on our heart. We lift them up to your throne knowing that you're already at work in each and every situation. And we ask that you would help us to understand when we can't. Bring us peace when we're unsettled. And Lord, if it be your will, allow us to join you in your work in each of these situations. And so we lift up to you persons who are recently unemployed. And we pray for jobs to open up for them. We pray for Gwen Church's mom. Becky, Becky Vinson has cancer and surgery is this Thursday. We ask that you would be with the doctors and the family and provide your peace and comfort in all those situations. Be with all the troops in harm's way and their families and loved ones. We ask that you would be with the Danners whose son was hit by a drunk driver and will be facing surgery. And Lord, we pray for all those who will be celebrating and, and watching the Super Bowl tonight. We pray that they would make smart decisions and that they would be responsible. And we pray for the continued healing of Margaret Jones, who's recovering from a knee injury. We lift up a son to you. We pray for family and friends who are seeking jobs and for a niece, Kelly, who is undergoing tests for a tumor. We lift up Clay Thornburg and his continued recovery. We pray for healing for Lori Moore and Liz Farley. Pray for all those who are sick with the flu or colds Pray that they would get better soon. Pray that you would be with Neil Weiss as he continues to undergo his treatments. Lord, these are our requests that we lift up to you. And we thank you for the opportunity to do so because we only have access to your throne through the veil because of what your son did for us on the cross and in his mighty act of resurrection. And so we pray as he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture lesson for today comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13, or excuse me, verses 12 through 23. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest in that letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Word of God for the people of God. You ready? I hope this works. I know y'all enjoyed the Sonny and Cher show this morning as much as I did. And I couldn't help but think when Rochelle was talking about different parts of the body having different functions, that some of us are made upside down. Our feet smell and our nose runs. But that's no... (laughs) Meanwhile, back at the sermon... As Jesus began his ministry, he laid out his vision of what life in the kingdom would be like with the sermon we now call the Beatitudes. Since this was at the start of his ministry, it's interesting that he makes a statement that he does indicating that some of the folks were wondering what his mission was. Was he there to destroy uh, the law and all that had gone before? Will he destroy Moses, or will he be one who explains things in a new way and, um, and bring it to new life? To some degree, this idea is raised every time a new idea comes along. Um, I know that when I first got here, uh, almost seven years ago, there were a lot of folks who were very apprehensive about this service because uh, the concern was that it was going to not match the fabric of the church. And uh, the fact that it has been such a, a, a wonderful thing is a tribute to those who worked so hard to bring it about. But it really could have gone either way because I know lots of churches that started with the contemporary service that have already stopped it. Are these new ideas going to destroy our traditions or to bring new life to them, people wonder. 
there must have been some things that Jesus had already done that brought this question to light. Possibly it was because he had uh, associated with thieves and outcasts uh, that he, and, and that he didn't wash his hands properly. He healed on the Sabbath, and the law-abiding people began to wonder if Jesus was going to tear down all the traditions. It's likely that there were... Um, that these were the reasons that Jesus needed to state very early on in his ministry, I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill the law. But Jesus didn't silence this question once and for all. It surfaced again in the conflict between Paul and James. Paul spoke about freedom from the law, and um, James and his party talked about the importance of obeying all the law it came back up in the Middle Ages, and even in our day today, <clears throat> churches seem to either pride themselves on openness and grace, and then there are others that are very, very strict in their standards. Some churches absolutely refuse to marry two divorced persons. Some churches won't even allow you to join their church if you are divorced. Um, some churches want you to wear no makeup and no jewelry if you're going to join their church. The idea there is you try to look as much like a, a cadaver as possible, and that's when you're successful. <clears throat> so the question of how we relate to legalisms versus grace is not just something Jesus threw out one day. It's something we all struggle with. How do we live the grace of God without totally throwing away the standards whereby we live? Um, Jesus, how did he fulfill rather than to destroy the law? I think to answer this, we have to look at the uh, purposes of the law. For one thing, the law provides orderliness and safety for all of us without the law, there would be anarchy everywhere. Both Paul and, um, and Peter urged people to be loyal to civilian government and to obey the laws. And so Paul would certainly not say to dis disregard civilian law. That's not what he meant by being free from the law. Moral law has a similar function in our lives. The Ten Commandments were given to teach us how to live with each other. Paul said that the law was someone like a guardian sent to watch over us, helping us learn right from wrong. So one function of the law is to provide orderliness and safety. And it's clear that Jesus did not come to do away with that. Instead, he came to add depth of meaning to these laws, to fill them so full of meaning uh, that we see that the law tries to tell us how love should act. But there's another function of the law, and that is to make us, pardon, aware of our sin. Paul says in Galatians 3 that um, the law's function was to make us aware that we need salvation. He says also in Romans 3, that the law's purpose is to stop all human excuses and bragging. 
to make us all aware that we're lost and need salvation. Clearly, that function of the law has not been destroyed. We need something to remind us that we need God's grace. But there was a perverted sense of uh, the law in Jesus' day that concerned him. And that was it tended to, it tended, hello, to divide saints from sinners, a deep divide so that neither felt comfortable with the other. Those who faithfully kept the law sometimes thought that they earned God's love and acceptance. And those who had failed to keep the law were deserving of being thrown out of the community. It is understood that faithful keeping of the law makes you right with God. At least that's what some people believe. And that failure cuts you off from God. Then there had to be a system of, of um, sacrifices and other things to help people get back right with God. The religious system resulted in pride for the successful and guilt for those who failed. Finally, the good want nothing to do with those that aren't so good. And that's a fair description of the Pharisees of Jesus' day. It was this religious system that Paul declared us to be free from. After the law does its thing of making you and me aware that we are sinners, and it drives us to Christ for salvation, where we find that our salvation depends upon Jesus now and not on what we didn't do or what we did do, then the law has fulfilled its function in our lives. But we aren't free to break the commandments. That's, that's very clear. But we are free from all the condemnation that we might experience as we fail to keep the law. And we are freed from that religious system that bases our relationship with God on the laws that we keep. Another place Jesus said, if you're going to be in the kingdom of God, you must be more righteous than the Pharisees. Imagine the most sincere Christian you've ever heard of. There's one up on the screen right there. Now imagine Jesus pointing his finger at that fine example and saying, you got to be better than that or you're not going to be in God's kingdom. You and I would say, there's no way we can be better than that good lady. All the good that she did, there's no way we can do that. And therefore, we might feel like we need to find another way of salvation. We can't be better than this woman. And so the law tells us that we come to Christ to be forgiven and to find grace. So the law's function is to make us see the impossibility of saving ourselves. It is to drive us to our knees, to keep us where we depend upon Christ. To those who were filled with pride that they had not committed a murder, Jesus said, if you get angry, you'll be judged as if you had committed murder. That filled the law full Thou shalt not kill had a whole deeper meaning. To those who thought that they were much better than other people, Jesus said, whoever looks down on somebody and says, oh, you fool, that you're in grave danger of going to hell. 
And then Jesus knocked all the props out from under those who were prideful that they had not broken moral law, who were always pointing their fingers of blame toward those who had committed adultery. Jesus said, I tell you, if you've even looked in lust at another woman, you're guilty in God's eyes of adultery. To these extremes, we say, Lord, you have filled the law so full of meaning. It is so high and elevated now that no one can possibly obey it. I am lost, and I am just like those outcasts over there. I need your mercy and grace. And Jesus smiles and says, you're exactly right. Now the law is fulfilled. It's doing what it's supposed to do in your life. It has brought you to your knees and made you aware that you are right with God only because God puts you right with himself through Christ. Now no one can boast in anything except God's goodness. And that's one of the ways that God, that Jesus fulfilled the law. But Jesus also fulfilled the law by keeping it perfectly himself so that his death on the cross would be a point in time where God could tra trade off his righteousness for our sinfulness. Now the law is fulfilled in us when we accept this trade and receive God's gift of righteousness. We're not free from our responsibility to obey the law's commands, but we are free from the eternal consequences of our sin. We are free from the law in that it is no longer the basis of our relationship to God. Faith is now that basis. Someone has wisely said that we are no longer God's legal kin folks, we're blood kin. We are also free from the law when we focus all of our attentions upon love instead of fear of reprisal to guide our conduct. May we follow Jesus and allow the law to be fulfilled in our lives. Amen. I invite you to stand as we affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We'll ask our ushers now to assist us as we receive our morning offering.
within me Don't cast me away from your presence Don't take your spirit from me Restore to me joy of your salvation Restore to me the wonders of your love Restore to me joy of your salvation Restore to me Restore within me don't cast me away from your presence don't take your spirit from me restore to me the joy of your salvation restore to me the wonders of your love Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me, restore to me. Deliver me from this hour of darkness through the pain. Restore to me the wonders of your love. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me. Restore to me. Restore to me. The joy of your salvation. Restore to me. Wonders of your love Restore to me The joy of your salvation Restore to me Restore to me And join us in our final praise song of the day. (laughs) 
Go forth knowing that in the law we find many things, but most of all, Christ is the one who fulfills the law and brings us to a place where we see our deepest need for Him and God's grace and God's mercy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Have a good week.